The following pre-recorded program is paid for by SSI Guardian. Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg with your host, psychologist and author, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Living Well with Dr. Peg explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics. Brought to you by SSI Guardian. Living Well with Dr. Peg shares effective and practical psychological strategies based on biblical principles for living well and staying safe. To listen to previous episodes, learn more about Dr. Peg's mental health and safety workshops, or to register for an upcoming VIP personal transformation retreat, visit drpegradio.com. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, brought to you every week by our sponsor, SSI Guardian. And we're coming to you from beautiful Denver, Colorado, and streaming around the world online and from your smartphone apps. And if you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, be sure to go to drpegradio.com for program archives, and you can also check out drpegradio.com for information about the show, my sponsor, and how you can take advantage of my mental health, wellness, and safety consulting services, workshops, and books. I also have a really exciting event coming up, um, Do Something Different for a Change Personal Transformation Retreats. If you're feeling stuck and ready to make a change, this experience is for you. You can end 2016 and start 2017 by investing time in yourself to reflect on where you've been, determine where you want to go, and identify effective strategies to get you there. These full-day VIP private individual retreats and small group sessions are a luxurious time of refreshment, reflection, and concentrated strategic planning that will accelerate your personal transformation and promote lasting change in your life so that you can walk in freedom and purpose Contact me today at drpegradio.com to reserve your spot in a Do Something Different for Change personal transformation retreat. Well, it is that time of year when many couples get engaged around Christmas and the New Year, and still others remain single, waiting on love and waiting on marriage. And the Bible tells us that God is love and God is the Word. So what do you get when you put God and the Word together? Well, one thing you get is my guest, Jeanette McGee-Watson, who knows something about God, love, and the Word. Mysterious Genetics, as she's known on stage, is an official Passion for Christ poet whose spoken word video, I Will Wait for You, went viral with over 3 million views. And Genetics says she's simply a young woman who's in love with Jesus Christ and has decided to use every gift he's given her for his glory. And she's been performing music, poetry, and dance for over 15 years and currently co-owns Zenith Performing Arts Genetics. Thank you for being with us today and welcome to the program. Oh, it's more than my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you. And you said your your husband likes when we say Jeanette Watson. Yes. <laughs> and some That's of your fans <laughs> Yeah, some of your fans know you as Jeanette McGee and most right. of your fans know you as Genetics. So we'll we'll right. use a combination of all of those because we want to keep your husband happy too. Right, exactly. <laughs> now you, at least to me, um, are possibly best known for your poem, your spoken word piece, I Will Wait For You. And as I noted, mm-hmm. it had over 3 million views on YouTube. Uh, and in a unique twist, you also wrote a follow-up piece called I Waited For You, which you shared 
as your marriage vows to your now husband, right. Matthew. And we'll, we'll get into that story over the course of the hour. But first, I have to ask you, what is it like to have over three million views on YouTube? Um, you know, I, I, I didn't, I, it was never the goal. I, I, I wasn't, I'm not one who actually looks at the numbers. I, I try to stay away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you have a, a best friend like mine, who's just, who's been kind of raised in the city of Long Beach, border, borderline Compton, um, and your roommate before you get married and you have somebody from the other room saying, Girl, you got you know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, I got, I got that many views now. We get it. You know, so. I think for, for other people, I think it's a huge deal. I think it's great in the sense of it's allowed me, even though I've been doing this over 20 years, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, with the, the, the age of just like YouTube and, and the internet at the state that it is, it's allowed me to kind of travel and, and talk to people and and kind of just do this as a career. Um, but it's an opportunity to talk about my God and it's an opportunity to talk about life and relationships. And, and I love being able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. In that sense, it's great. I think the three million is cool. I think the 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 twenty million was cool when the vows went viral on Facebook, and I, I think people just love love um, as well as that. Um, and so, while the, the the cool thing about it is is true, I, I just the hope the hope in my heart is that that people get to really see the, the true heart of what I'm saying, which is really having a focus on God. So, amen. I well, really, really love it, and that's why I invited you on the program. Um, not just because you went viral, and and did I hear that your vows also went viral? I I I, um, right. I missed that part. Well, that's wonderful because um, we're going to talk about your vows today as well. But it really is about three million people who've been introduced to this gospel message that God loves right. you, and um, mm-hmm. that we can wait on God, and that's good. And so I appreciate your humility. Uh, I want to start out by uh, talking about your life as a child and growing up, because we got a glimpse into your past through your marriage vows that you shared at your Mm -hmm. wedding and that also went viral on YouTube. Uh, What were some of those challenges that you experienced in your life? And importantly, how did all of that lead you to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Yeah, I can't talk about my personal relationship with with Jesus Christ without talking about my grandmother. Mm -hmm. Um, My grandmother... Um, who I would consider to have been my best friend um, growing up. I don't know if it's because I was the first grandchild or not, but there was just something so special about her connection to the Lord and her her, her love and her passion for the Lord and for people. I mean, back then, Avon was a big deal, and so people would go door-to-door, and I would say, you know, hey, Granny, come up here to sell something, and then I'd leave, and I'd come back, and they were on their knees in the living room accepting Christ as their Savior, and they were a family friend for life. Mm. Like, she seized every opportunity, and she just loved loving on people. Um, and she made sure from a very, very, very young age, from the time that I could talk, that I was memorizing Scripture. Mm. Um, I don't, If I did not have that, I don't necessarily know how I would have survived, because by the time I was eight, I was being physically and sexually abused, um, not only by my father, but by another member in the family. So it was going on in, in my grandmother's home, which I, I lived, and I went to school very close there. So I was um, I was being watched by a family member there after school. And then when I would go home to my actual home, I was also being sexually abused mm-hmm. there. Um, and the times overlapped. Um, it was, uh, mentally, it, it was it was it was it was a doozy. I, I can't even explain it any other way. Um, but it's interesting enough. By the time I was eight, I had enough scripture to to communicate with God in my own little kid way. Mm-hmm. My mom is also an extremely, uh, extremely significant role for me as far as my walk with the Lord, because I think at that time I've learned how, um, and I just recently wrote a piece for her called Turbulence, because 
I learned how the absence of her father, I mean, my, my grandfather was, was a commander in the Navy, which was not big. It was not huge at the time for a black man to be a commander in the Navy in the 60s. Um, but he, you know, ended up succumbing to just being able to be gone and, and the women that love men in uniform. And so he, he left to go on the ship one time, and he just never came back home, mm-hmm. never gave my grandmother any word, nothing. So she was left with six kids. My grandmother was in New Orleans, Louisiana, so not a lot of education. Um, not, not a lot of understanding, but really expected her husband to take care of her and the six children. And so the abandonment, um, and the hurt and pain of that generationally, I saw how it caused my mom to choose the wrong mate. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wanted to make it work and she was being physically abused. Um, and so I didn't think that she really thought that those things were happening to me because I think she thought she was taking it all on herself. So very early, um, a lot of things transpired very tough, um, went on for years and it was very difficult for me very, very early on. Um, so I think that um, it, it made it very extremely hard for me as a young woman to just entrust myself to anybody, mm-hmm. period. I didn't trust anyone. Um, and so I think that was a big, big deal when it came to the challenges. Um, and I think without the, you know, and I kept that, kept that to myself for a very long time, um, without the, the love and the support and the reassurance of who Christ was to my grandmother and, and my mom even, I think that I probably would have lost it. Mm-hmm. And but for that that word in your heart and the love that you received uh, from those people around you, um, right? Praise the Lord. Um, so, how how did music and poetry and dance come into the picture, and and was that part of how you were able to cope as well? Um, you know what? Hence the name genetics. My my great my my great grandfather was a piano singer. My grandmother was a singer. My mom actually got chosen to dance for Alvin Ailey, but mm-hmm. got pregnant with me. Um, <laughs> My, my whole family is, is full of the arts. Uh, I, my mom made sure that we were very cultured. Uh, I, remember, I remember seeing Brishnikov and the Nutcracker probably around four years old. Mm. Um, whenever KCET had those big, and, and back then that's how I watched Alvin Ailey go, was, was through the different programs. And, and my grandmother was very big into musicals, so it was very big for us to, to sit down and watch Porgy and Beth and, and, and know all those songs. Um, and so I just grew up in a very musical, artistic family. Um, and so I couldn't kind of help but, you know, be a part of that. And then it was kind of like my family was very huge that time, went to a small church, and we were the choir. <laughs> so, you know, and so with my father, he was a musician as well. And so I think I just kind of inherited those those talents as far as being able to pick up, you know, different instruments by ear and, and learning and then falling in love with it to the point to where I wanted to study study music and study poetry. And, and I didn't really even study poetry at all. I think it was just a thing where I saw my mom writing her journals a lot, and I would read her poetry. She's like, I, you know what, I'm going to try this. And it ended up working out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, um, in, in another interview, I heard you describe yourself as the dented can on the shelf that people mm-hmm. pass by. Uh, talk mm-hmm. about how your past shaped how you felt about yourself and the men who were interested in dating you as you got older. Uh, because in, in your poem, I Will Wait For You, you share how you took matters into your own hands to find a man, to find your husband. Yeah, I think I think it's it's it, you get really you're, you're okay kind of like through the teens and even through the college years it's kind of like okay you know well this guy's want me it's fine I, I knew that I was different I knew from my, I had made a commitment really early on that I wanted to, to wait until I was married to, to be intimate with any guy um, and even then I think it's even worse now but even then it was a big deal like are you serious is that gonna really be a thing um, Never did I think that I was gonna meet a man who had the same desires I, I mean my husband and I I mean we were both virgins when we got married we were both didn't kiss till our wedding day, even though we courted for three years. Mm, um, and so it, I think 
in that, like, it was just, it was a, it was, it was a big deal as far as like making sure that, you know, I wanted to hold to those values. Um, but because I wanted to hold to those values, you know, it was always just a test, like, Hey, like, well, how far can we go? And is this, is this really what your values really are? Um, and it got kind of got to the point where it's just like, you know what, it's just not worth, worth all that, you know, or even just the fact that I had a strong personality and a strong demeanor, it was, it was either like we were in competition or, you know, it was, it was too much and for anybody to handle. And, and, you know, I think I just, just going through different things and getting raised in churches where I didn't see, you know, I didn't see a lot of consistency. I see, you know, great men who are in leadership, but then I'd also see men who are in leadership who were living a double life, but then I would be told that I couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't read my poetry at church. I couldn't, you know, because the topics were too real or, you know, all those type of things. So it just kind of was like, okay, well, I obviously am not fitting in here. Um, so that's kind of where that Benny can on the shelf was just like, nah, stay away from her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> stay away from her. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I took matters into my own yes. hands by, by specifically saying, like, you know what, when you get to like 28, 29, 30, you kind of like, you know what, let me just try to figure this out on my own. I, I, I think I can do this. Uh, I'm tired of the wait. I'm tired of waiting. You're watching your friends get married. Uh, you're watching people, you know, and people younger than you get married. You know, I, I call them a nurse company, so it's like my students who, you know, I've had since they were, you know, 10 and 12 years old. And like, can you come to my wedding? It's kind of like, wait, what's happening here? You know? So but that's, that's kind of why I just started kind of dating different guys for different reasons. I had one that, hey, I don't want to pay for my meal tonight. Or I had one that great, 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 great compliments. I had one that had a look, and he just had a hookup at a dental office, and I needed a cavity suit. So it was just like, you know, it's just dating different guys for different reasons, trying to, you know, take all of these guys and, and pile them into to the one guy that I thought that I wanted. Yeah, yes. So at, at what point did you make the shift and decide to let God choose for you? I, I was just I was just tired, and I wasn't even at a point where I really wanted God to choose for me. I just realized that I wanted God more than I wanted my own mm. Um And so if that meant singleness, then okay. I, I just got to a point where it's like, it just wasn't worth the, the, the ignorant relationships that I was putting myself through. Because usually I know from the beginning this isn't going to work, but still, for some reason, I waste my time. And mm. so I got to a point where it's like, it's not a, and, and the fact that I was an example, once this I Wait poem came out, it was just, it, it terrified me because I knew that even though I always was a leader in different positions in different areas, that be church or home or family, I knew that people were looking at me and I knew that I wanted to live a life that could be, you know, that could be emulated. Um, so I was just like, you know, well, I, I can't play any games and I don't want to play any games with you and I want to take this life with you seriously. Um, so I, I trust you more than I trust myself because clearly I keep making mistakes. So how about I try it your way? Mm. And how about I just commit my life to you? Mm-hmm. And how about I learn to be satisfied with just you? Because if, if it's not for me to be with somebody, then it's because you completely know me to the point to where you're saying that's not a need for you at this point in life. Mm. And so I trusted that. I didn't go into it hoping for a guy. I went into it saying, like, I'm going to live this life exhausting my life in your glory, mm. whatever that looks like. Amen. Well, what advice would you give women about the value of waiting and kind of some tips <laughs> on really how to stay grounded uh, and, and wait. Yeah, I, the biggest advice I could give is that to, to learn that no human being, no fallible human being could satisfy you like the perfect God who created you. Mm. Um, I think we as women, especially for someone who was kind of been broken like myself or had a, had a rough past or didn't grow up with a father, we, we, we expect so much hope and place so much hope in a human being. And then when they don't live to the standard of what we hope for them to be, we, we're so disappointed. 
And so I think that the main thing is learning to be so satisfied with Christ and what he accomplished and to learn that the reward has already been given. I think that, you know, we kind of had this expectation like, okay, I'm doing it your way, so where's, what, what am I supposed to get now? It's like, no, it doesn't work like mm. that. And I, I get the fact that we get lonely sometimes, but even the loneliness has to be assessed. Um, because even in a marriage, you know, you learn very quickly, hey, like, you're still not everything I wanted you to be. <laughs> what are you doing? You know, even in marriage, you can still feel alone if you have this expectation for this person to live up to everything that you, you want them to be. And so I think my advice would be, like, don't don't place so much expectation on him, and to, but know that you can place your hope your, your 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 desire for peace, the things that really, really, really I certainly can't satisfy can all be found in Christ Jesus. Amen. All of those can be found in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's why that I wait for you through in Psalm one thirty, because it is about waiting for the ultimate weight of the soon coming king. Mm. Because even though I have a husband, it's still times when he gets on my last nerve and I want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So you know, it's not everything that everybody thinks it to be, especially with having a past like mine. It's difficult. It's yes. a hard transition. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, you've agreed to share your piece, I Will Wait For You, on the air. And so I invite you to do that now before we go to our, our first break. Sure. Um, so it seemed that it was cool for everyone to be in a relationship but me. So I took matters into my own hands and ended up with him. Him who displayed the characteristics of a cheater, a liar, an abuser, and a thief. So why was I surprised when he broke into my heart? I called 911, but I was cardiac arrested for aiding in a bed because it was easy to let him in, claiming we were just friends. It was already decided for me by the first date that even if he wasn't, I was going to make him the one. You know, because I was tired of being alone. So I simply made up in my mind that it was about that time. So I decided to drag him along for the ride because I was always the bridesmaid and never the bride. A virgin in the physical. But mentally, just a grown woman on the corner in heat was tired of the weight, so I was going to make him the one. He had a form of godliness, but not much. But hey, I can change him, so I'll take him. I mean, he's close enough. Ready to sell my aorta for a quarter, not knowing the value of his use to me. Artery so clogged with my will, it blocked his will from flowing through me. So I thank Christ that his blood pressure gave his heart and attacked that fat line of obscured vision, put me fat on my back. Through my ignorance, he saw, but through my sternum, he saw it and cracked open my chest to transplant Psalm 5110, a new heart. And a renewed right spirit within. So now I fully understand, but yet I thoroughly comprehend how much I need to wait for you. See, the bad thing is that I knew he was you from the beginning. Because in the beginning was the word, and he didn't even sound or shine like your son. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and all he could whisper was sweet, empty, nothing, which meant nothing. He couldn't even pray when I needed him to. Asking him to fast would be absurd, so forget about being cleansed and washed with water for the word. But I know you. You are already praying for me. Even never having met me, let me assure you, I will wait for you. I will no longer date socialize or communicate with carbon copies of you to appease my boredom or to quench my thirsty desire for attention and short-lived compliments from sort of kind. You know he's sort of kind of right, but he's sort of kind of wrong. His first name, Luke, his last name, Warren. I won't sell for false companionship. I won't lay in the embrace of his arms, attempting to find some closeness, but never feeling so far apart because I just want to be held. Because all i got to do is say no. No more almost sessions of almost coming close, passing me some buying case I'm a, I'm a, I'm a flirt. I'm a flirt first with the ideology of, can you just tell me how much I can get away with still being saved? No more. I stay in my bed alone and write poems about how I will wait for you. He won't even come close. Our fingers won't even interlock. We won't even exchange breath because I have thoughts that I have saved as and a thought that God has only equipped you to open. I will no longer get weighted down from so-called friends and family talks about the concern for my biological clock when I serve the author of time. 
who's not subject to time, but I'm subject to him. He has the ability to stop, fast forward, pause, or rewind at any given time. So if we could role play, you would be Abraham and I would be Sarah. But you could be Isaac and I could be Rebecca, a servant's answered prayer. I am bone of your bones, flesh of your flesh, made up of your rib atoms. And when we meet, like electrons, I'll be bound to your nucleus, completely indivisible atoms. We even speak the same math, one plus one plus one equals three, which really equals one if you add them. We were all created in his image, but you, you have the ability to reflect, project, and even detect the sun. If I were to explain what you look like, I would have to say you look like a star, a sun of the sun. I would gain energy simply from the light that you shine on me. I would need you in order to complete my photosynthesis. I await your revelation. But once again, from the Genesis, I will wait for you. And I will know you. Because when you speak, I will be reminded of Solomon's wisdom. Your ability to lead will remind me of Moses. Your faith will remind me of Abraham. Your confidence in God's word will remind me of Daniel. Your inspiration will remind me of Paul. Your heart for God will remind me of David. Your attention to detail will remind me of Noah. Your integrity will remind me of Joseph. Either one, take your pick. And your ability to bend your own will will remind me of this disciples. But your ability to love selflessly and unconditionally will remind me of Christ. But I don't want to identify you by any special Matthews or any special marks because his word will be tatted all over your heart. You will know me. You will find with the boldness of Esther, with the warm closeness of Ruth, with the hospitality of Lydia, is aligned with the submission of Mary, which is engulfed in the tears of a praying Hannah. I will be the one, drenched in power, which will be one waiting for you. But to my father, my father who has known me before, has birthed into this earth only if you should see fit. I desire your will above mine, for even if you called me to a life of singleness, my heart is content with you, the one who was sent. You are the greatest love story ever told, the greatest love ever known. You are forever my judge, and I'm forever your witness. And I pray that I'm always found on a mission about my father's business. I will always be yours. I will always wait for you, Lord. More than the watchman waits for the morning. More than the watchman waits for the morning, I will wait. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. You're listening to the anointed and gifted voice of genetics, Jeanette McGee Watson, spoken word artist, uh, known for that piece, I Will Wait For You. Thank you so much, Jeanette, for sharing that with us today. Oh, my pleasure. My yes, pleasure. awesome. So much in there, um, and I would encourage uh, listeners to to look for the the written words so they don't miss anything. Uh, you in your In your piece, you share some of the things we've already talked about in terms of um, the bad choices. And uh, one of my favorite lines is his first name is Luke. And his last name is Warm. <laughs> and so really giving us scripture, giving us biblical principles uh, for what we should be looking for in our mate. But and also importantly, how we should be developing ourselves, how we should be conformed into the image of Christ to receive that mate. Yes. Amen. Uh, well, there was someone special in the audience uh, when you performed this piece. Uh, uh, who was that person? <laughs> That was my husband. I, I didn't know his name. He was just Matthew at that time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so that was crazy. how you met. He came up to you after the performance. Well, actually, we met. At, we met randomly at Chick Fil A. Okay. Um, Shout out to Chick Fil A. <laughs> right. I, I, coincidentally, I, 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 my sister was his manager, and she kept telling me, "There's this very annoying guy, um, <laughs> and he just he just annoys me all the time." So really, and so we met kind of in passing there, um, and then. Uh, we did meet uh, briefly because his boss asked me to come and, and meet with some of the young people um, that he had brought to the event that night, and, and Matthew was there as well. Um, and then, you know, he did end up actually uh, being at the at the church that my church actually merged with, and so I was like, oh, my gosh, I see this guy again. So 
We've met a few times. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, um, when we come back, we're going to talk about um, the list. Uh, most women have a list. <laughs> and uh, you shared some of the characteristics that were on your list in, in your spoken word piece, I Will Wait For You. Um, and uh, I, I'm curious to know uh, why you felt Matthew was and, and is a, a good match for you. And so when we come back, we'll talk more about those characteristics uh, that that you kind of prophesied almost in your spoken word piece <laughs> and <laughs> that came to pass and, and kind of what God was doing in that whole process Uh, My guest today is Jeanette McGee-Watson, a.k.a. Genetics, and she's a spoken word artist and and a dancer and a singer. Um, uh, Jeanette, you've got some some exciting things coming up that we'll talk about as well uh, when you come back. You're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and uh, we're going to hear a word from our sponsor, SSI Guardian. We'll be back. Don't go away. One needs to look no further than today's headlines to understand the threats facing American schools. They remain soft targets for violent threats, and yet our schools go largely underprepared. Our children deserve the highest level of education in the safest learning environment possible. The SSI Guardian QAL, or Quick Action Lockdown, is the fastest and safest way to lock down a classroom. This revolutionary device provides schools with maximum locking protection while meeting all safety, fire, and building codes. Designed by the leading lock experts in the world, the QAL is the only lock that meets Department of Homeland Security primer recommendations. SSI Guardian QAL now makes classroom lockdowns fast and safe with the red button. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the best classroom protection. Take action today by calling SSI Guardian at 877-878-5800 or go to guardianprotect.com. That's guardianprotect.com. With SRN News, I'm Ron DeRockstra. Much of the eastern U.S. has been dealing with freezing rain and traffic accidents today. In Baltimore, two people were killed, at least 15 injured, in a 55-vehicle accident that started with a truck going over an embankment and catching on fire on Interstate 95. The east isn't the only part of the country, though, plagued by icy roads and accidents. New Mexico State Police say there's been a multi-vehicle crash involving approximately 40 vehicles on a snow and ice-covered interstate highway between Santa Rosa and Tucumcari. Donald Trump wraps up his post-election victory tour today at the same Mobile, Alabama football stadium that hosted the biggest rally of his campaign. And about uh, 2,500 people have gathered at an Ohio State University auditorium to celebrate the life of John Glenn, who died December 8th at age 95. After the memorial, Glenn's remains will be interred at Arlington National Cemetery. This is SRN News. this is Pastor Jeff, and I consider it a privilege to preach the Word of God to you every day on the radio. But I would like to invite you to personally come and worship the Lord with us. Harvest Bible Chapel is now conveniently located in two different locations. Our Inglewood campus is just a mile west of I-25 in Hamden. Currently, we meet in Inglewood Saturday nights at 5 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. We now also have a Broomfield campus that is located at 3400 Industrial Lane right off the Boulder Turnpike. Our Broomfield campus meets every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Whether you are new to the faith, checking things out, or a seasoned disciple, we invite you to come and worship the Lord with us. 
For more information about any of our ministries or locations, please visit our website at www.harvestdenver.org. Again, that's harvestdenver.org. I'm looking forward to worshiping the Lord with you soon. You are loved. NMLS 378844, regulated by the Division of Real Estate. For the third year in a row, Denver home values continue to set new highs. Ask yourself, why am I still paying mortgage insurance? Today, your FHA mortgage is likely causing you to throw away $100, $200 or more in mortgage insurance every month. We have programs that can allow you to drop your mortgage insurance with as little as 3% equity, letting you keep your hard-earned money. I'm Brian Murphy, owner of Front Range Mortgage, a local Colorado-only mortgage team that has helped hundreds of Coloradans to eliminate their mortgage insurance, save thousands, lowering their payments, and pay off high-interest credit cards. Call me and my local BBB-approved team for a painless five-minute conversation to see how much we can save you. Our number, 303-500-1900. That's 303-500-1900, or visit at frontrangemortgage.com. Endorsed by Denver champ Ed McCaffrey. Limited time McCaffrey getting the game offer. Get a Visa gift card with every closed loan. Buy a pair of tickets to the game or a new number 87 jersey. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Jeanette McGee-Watson, a.k.a. Mysterious Genetics, spoken word artist, well-known for her piece, I Will Wait For You, and the follow-up, I Waited For You, which was actually her marriage vows to a young man named Matthew, who was uh, uh, hanging out at Chick-fil-A, and um, he, he caught your eye, or you caught his eye? How did that go? You know, I think I, I always go and and I'm I'm not I dress up for occasion, you know, for the occasion that calls for it. So <laughs> I was actually I would always go there because I was on my way to rehearsal for to to leave the to pray the worship team. So I was there a lot. Um, and so I think one day I came in after a show and he saw me and <clears throat> my sister was like, "That's my sister," and he just couldn't really believe that I was that I, that was the same person. So I think I think it was probably him. I, I to be completely honest, we weren't completely drawn to each other in the physical capacity that people would probably believe at all in the beginning. I was just like, he's, for one, he's too young. And for mm. two, he's just not my, he's just not my flavor. <laughs> so, um, so I think the attraction came later on when I actually saw who he was. Mm-hmm. That's so important. Um, I'm, I'm recently married and um, mm, thank you. And well, it's been two years now, but uh, I, I received the congratulations. <laughs> um, the Lord was giving me visions and dreams of my husband before I met him, and he never showed me his face. And he always told me to look at character. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we all grow up as women with our list. And uh, mm-hmm. I had a list as well with a gazillion things on my list. And, um, and the Lord was saying, look at character, look at character, look at character. And when he wouldn't even show me his face in those visions and dreams. Um, so what were some of the things that that drew you to Matthew that you said it really was in the spirit that um, it, it wasn't about, you know, physical appearances and, and superficial things. Although your husband is a very nice looking man. We've all seen the videos. <laughs> So yeah, what what was daughter. it uh, that was on your list and that, that Matthew matched up with some of those things? You know, I had a list, and I completely disposed of it. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, was, it was just a terrible list. And, and I realized I was focusing 
on what I wanted to receive more than what I was willing to give. Mm. So my list changed to a list of working on me mm-hmm. um, and, and who I desire to be in the areas I wanted to grow in Christ. It's interesting that Scripture says that he that finds a wife finds a good thing, which means that when he finds her, there are attributes about her that are wifely mm-hmm. already. It doesn't say he finds a woman who's trying to be a, a wife. It's, so I was like, you know, let me, and, and I don't think it's just about being a wife, but even just in Proverbs 31, there are certain attributes I saw, and I was like, that is not me <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I began to just work on myself. As far as Matt is concerned, I think one of the most, the first immediate thing I noticed was his heart for, for the Lord and his heart for people. Um, I saw Matthew all the time, and he would be, he would he would spend time with with the old people. He would spend time with the young people. He would play with the kids. Mm. He was concerned about everybody, and and he was a, he was very much a people person, which was huge to me because I think that you cannot say that you love God without loving people. Mm. It's completely impossible. Um, I think my first attraction to him was when um, he I saw him get up and read scripture at church, and he was able to pronounce, you know, names like Melchizedek properly. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, you really actually do read this thing. So it was like, okay, cool. Um, I knew that he, at the time, he was a student in, in seminary. He had graduated from Alabama University already, already, and he was a degree in elementary education, and he loved kids, and he, he'd been an athlete, as most people can see, for most of his life. Um, and so when he came here, he came to California simply to to learn more about his faith. He wasn't even really pursuing a, a pastoral role or anything like that, but he said, I want to be able to, to know scripture for myself and to know why I believe what I believe. So he came to seminary out here. Um, and that was huge for me. I think um, just as far as our, our relationship as it started to progress, it was it was the fact that I, I finally didn't have to lead in the areas of saying, hey, you know I'm not going to do this, you know I'm not going to do that. It was now switched in turn and saying, hey, this is the person I am. This is my plans and why I'm talking to you. Matt had observed me for a year before approaching me and had mm. been praying about it for a year. Wow. Um, he then told me that he had spoken to all of my mentors. He had spoken to people who were close to me. He had spoken. To, he had looked at all my interviews to see if I was living up to mm. what I was talking about. Um, because And he had a journal with him of all the notes that he kept. Um, throughout that year, and he let me know, like, hey, like this is this would be the biggest investment I would make in this in this in this earthly life um, is to 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 choose a life. And he made it very clear that that's what his desire was. I that kind of threw me back. Um, he also told me that there are great things about me, but there are also things that he noticed that you know way, he noticed ways in which I sin and and how he can help me with that. And that didn't rub me the right way immediately. Uh, I must say. Uh, <laughs> But, um, you know, I, I brushed him off for, for a long time, um, for a very long time. I just didn't, I didn't want to do that. But for our first encounter that we sat down, we literally sat down with our Bibles open, asking each other, what do you believe about this and what do you believe about that? Because mm-hmm. we had both been to a point to where it's like, you know what, I don't, once feelings are invested, it's, it's pretty much a wrap. <laughs> so mm-hmm. let's just, let's just find out what we believe first and make sure we're on the same page because I don't want to have a feelings and then be invested and then start making compromises because I'm too attached to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, wis- that's wisdom, if I can interject there, yeah. uh, those people listening, in particular women, because I think we, we're kind of wired to, to have that attachment. But before you get invested and before you get attached is where you look at character. Make sure you're on the definitely. same page, that you're equally yoked. Yeah, definitely. I don't think you have clear clear vision once you... You have to do the life going. And I tell young women all the time, I'm like, so how long are you? And I start that. So what do you feel about him? Yeah, let's talk later on when this is, <laughs> this is not even the point of a mm-hmm. conversation. You can't really see straight. That's right. Um, but he, he, he led with saying, like, hey, this is what I believe. This is what I'm not going to do in a courtship. 
um, this is the man that I am. This is the vision that I have. Um, and I, I was committed to not being with anybody unless I saw myself bringing more glory to God with that person mm. than I could by myself. Mm-hmm. And I was on a mission. I mean, I didn't think this was a lot of mine. I saw this big blowtorch of mine. So unless we could make some fireworks for the kingdom of God together, I wasn't interested mm. at all. And I was, I was very, I was scarily content because at this point I'm traveling every weekend. I'm doing what I've always wanted to do. I'm talking about the Lord. I'm not really like in that place where it's like I just really, really, really want to be with somebody. As long as I had like music and poetry, mm. you know, I I get to teach kids and my grandmother's red velvet cake. I didn't really think I was missing anything. Mm-hmm. So, so I think the fact that he led in those areas um, and the fact that I saw his personal life that he had a strong passion for the Word of God that he was broken when he when he would feel like he sinned against me or. Talk, talk too strongly. I mean, tears. I'm like, I, I'm like, what am I even saying? Because he'll be so broken that he disappointed God, and the fact that he is also sinned against me, and he was very led in asking for forgiveness, mm. led and demonstrated. And people always talk about submission, but he led in that and demonstrated submission for me. Mm. What it looked like, especially with my past. So. Amen. Mm-hmm. And so all of that really is a, a wonderful template for what our singleness should look like while we're waiting is really developing yourself. Um, right. Looking, you know, when I had my list, uh, the Lord was like, oh, you know, that's that's nice. That's a great list. But mm-hmm. don't you think a man that wonderful deserves a woman equally as wonderful right. and conformed into right. the image of Christ. So get to working on yourself. And that's really what you're describing is being so content with the Lord that you're, you're okay. And I love what you said that can I, can we bring more glory to God together than I can bring by myself? Because otherwise what's the point? And so that he, he took the lead and, and, you know, for many women, submission is a sore spot, but the Bible says we're submitting one to another and he's, you're following him as he follows Christ. And mm-hmm. so that it's easy to submit. Well, not easy. It's easier to submit to right. someone who is, yes, who, who's following Christ and, and, and um, submitted to you as well. Amen. Yeah. Well, what inspired you to share your vows as spoken word? And um, what were some of the important things that you promised and vowed uh, on your wedding day to to your husband, and, and you all kept yourselves pure, hadn't even shared a kiss until that moment you were pronounced husband and wife. So you're you're a spoken word artist. Is that why you decided to share your vows that way? No, I actually, I actually did not have a desire to share my vows. It's interesting because we're at a conference, and one of my friends who, who I think is a phenomenal poet, and she just she was teaching a um, – I was teaching just a workshop, and people are asking, like, why are you going to workshop? I'm just trying to believe, like, I, there's no, you know, it's feeling to how much that can be learned. Um, and so I think um, I, I took her, her, her workshop, and she wrote a phrase on the board, and I started writing. And, you know, all my other friends that are poets were like, this, this, is, this is crazy. Like, you need to continue to do something with this. And that was maybe about a year and a half before. Mm. Um, but I, hadn't, I, wasn't, I'm not a person who really, like – I had a lot of walls up, so I even 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 in that, I didn't want people to see that that, that there was a side of that to me at all. I just that wasn't a goal for me. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that people thought that I was, you know, this hardcore person and you know, super super tough in their eyes, and you know, I always, you know, it's like not like that's not me. I'm not I'm not the soft person. Um, but I think 
um, Matthew knowing who I was, uh, that I think that was something that he knew would be ex- extremely vulnerable for me to do. Um, and I knew that he would appreciate it and he would be attentive to every word that I said. Mm. Um, and I also wanted people to be, since they shared in the journey with me through the singleness, I wanted them to be able to see and I wanted to open myself to be vulnerable enough so that people would still benefit um, and see that, that this is, you know, there's not just people like Beyonce and Jay-Z to look, look to, uh, for an example, um, but that this, this is doable and it's possible. And there are men who really do love God and who, who choose God over their own personal desires and their own personal, personal gain. Mm. Um, and so I, I wanted people to see that it, it's, it's doable. But I think ultimately I just I wanted to write something special for him primarily for him to know that this was from the depth of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that he, he, by the words, that it would be the most vulnerable thing I could possibly give him because I'm just, I'm not, I'm not, when it comes to him, uh, vulnerability is tough. Um, when it comes to relationships, vulnerability is tough. With women and encountering and t- talking to women, and that's easy. I had my grandmother and my mother for that to lay that example. But anything with, with him, with cards, or any piece and fragment of information he got from me, that's probably the most, you know, it's interesting because he's usually more words than I am. But on that day, it was vice versa. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was pretty huge. Amen. So that, well, and yeah. that, that your vulnerability, we understand because of your past and the abuse that right. you had experienced. And so in sharing um, your vows in the manner that you did, the vulnerability was part of the gift. <laughs> That you were able to give him on that day because it, it really wasn't um, how you would normally open up in front of everyone. Um, uh, but to give that vulnerability to him made it made it very special. Yeah. Amen. Well, when we come back, uh, Genetics will share some of the lessons she's learned as a woman of words about her words as a married woman. <laughs> and and uh, uh, we'll talk more about some of the um, adjustments that you've made in, in your new role as wife. Again, I'm speaking with uh, Jeanette McGee Watson, genetics, and we'll be right back. Schools can no longer afford not to invest in a professional evidence-based advanced safety education training program. It's the single most important decision and investment a school administrator will ever make in their professional career. When all else fails, training and preparation are the only things that will increase your chances of survival in a violent incident such as an active shooter or act of terrorism. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training programs tailored to your needs. While there are many basic training programs largely based on opinion and emotion. SSI Guardian is the only advanced training program of its type with an accredited continuing education unit or CEU issued by an accredited university. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions, faith-based and professional organizations. To learn more, call SSI Guardian today at 877-878-5800 or visit guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the anointed words of genetics. Jeanette McGee Watson, spoken word artist, dancer, musician. Uh, before we uh, go too far, and I forget to ask you, what do you have coming up in your ministry? And in your music, uh, anything that you'd like to share with the listeners and how they can get in touch with you? 
Yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's crazy. It's just it's being married is such a different balance. You know, mm-hmm. um, I just came off um, just came off a twenty seven city tour. Mm. Um, for, wow, for two months. Um, so I think now it's just the time to kind of like buckle down and just give some time and make sure that my priorities are my priorities. Um, so coming up in, in twenty seventeen, um, there'll be tours for the Caribbean islands um, in February. Um, just a couple of states that we didn't hit on the twenty seven city tour in March, and then in April will be, you know, the UK and London and, and Africa again. I've, I love Africa. I've been there probably about three three times now. So um, that's huge. But also the, the album is finally coming, which is my husband wants that more than anything. Wants mm. Poetry. Mm-hmm. And um, so so those are two two huge things for two major things that are coming next year. I don't think I can pile on anything else. Okay. <laughs> well, are you, are you coming to Denver or did you come to Denver in your previous? We did not come to Denver and we're waiting. I've been, I've been waiting. Okay, you got to come to Denver. We got a big spoken word uh, community That's here. What I keep saying. They keep telling me that they don't. And I keep saying, no, that we do. do. I think we do. So I got to let them know that that, that, that really needs to happen. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Well, if this interview can, can help that, um, help you towards that goal i'm I'm grateful that'd be awesome well talk about uh being married um as a wife um what are some of the important things you've learned uh in particular about your words Uh, you are a woman of words whether it's spoken word or in your lyrics to your music and um i've i've i heard someone recently say that uh, her husband told her that uh, just as we would be shocked to see a man physically punch a woman in the face out in public, that's what it feels like sometimes when a, wor- a wife uses her words uh, mm. to punch her st- her husband, so to speak, especially mm. in public. And so what are, what are some of the important lessons you've learned about your words and how they impact your husband in your marriage without, you know, without getting too personal since he's not here to, to share? Hey, I, I, I don't know how to not get personal, so... <laughs> Um, I think I would totally have to agree with that. Um, I've I've seen how my I'm a, I'm a sharpshooter when it comes to words. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm telling and 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 for me it's dangerous because that's my goal. But it's also my husband also understands it's like my defense mm-hmm. mechanism that I'm trying to use. And so I will I will sharpshoot to, to keep pushing you further and further away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've noticed how my words and, and the same way that I, I mean I, if I build my husband up with my words that that brother will feel like he can run through a brick wall. Um, but if, if I, if I use my words negatively, it, it affects me so badly and it, it, I have the power to tear him down quickly. And, um, I, I, those, those are, that's something huge that I've learned. I think it's been a, a tough time for us. I had, uh, five family deaths in the first year of mm. our marriage. One, one being my grandmother while I was mm. in Africa, which was huge, huge, huge. Um, and I, that's probably the hardest time that I actually went through. Um, and I think just the, the hard part of, you know, me being somebody who was so close and him not experiencing, you know, a relationship like that, you know, again, wanting somebody to be there in a specific way. And so, again, it was that tearing down, that tearing down, when really I could have used those words to, to, to be gracious and to, to allow it to be a learning experience, you know, for the future. Um, and so I think that's the, that one of the hugest things that I've, and I'm still learning. Again, I'm only two years in like you, so um, it's just, it's hard for me. I think self-control is, 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 is a huge fruit to, to really have to really do your best to try to master in marriage because, I mean, I, I have them uh, cocked and ready. I don't even know how they come or where they come from or what source they're coming from, but they're, they're ready. And so mm. I have to really learn to scale back and to learn that everything is – I don't have to say everything, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, so <laughs> that's a lesson I've learned just because I have the – 
freedom and the safety with my husband to say whatever I need to say doesn't mean I always should in that timing is important and um, speaking the truth in love. And, you know, we, we know with Esther, we have to be invited (laughs) in to share certain messages. And and so timing is really critically important. Um, I, I, I like that expression, sharp, you're a sharpshooter. And you can use that, those same words to build up and encourage and, and, and words to, to tear down. And one of the things that I did see in your YouTube video where you shared your vows and, and your spoken word piece, I waited for you, was uh, where Matthew shared his vows, I should say, um, where he talked about uh, learning you and kind of studying you, that he vowed to really understand you. And so I think um, that's so critically important, um, gives you kind of that, the grace and the safety um, to be able to self-reflect on some areas that you can change uh, because he understands where that comes from. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, I, you know, I, again, it's so interesting how all these vows and you do all those things and then you find out how you fail and then you, mm-hmm. you got to pick yourself back up and remember what you vowed. And it's definitely a process of just, again, like extending grace and conveying to not, I, I, I'm, I, I'm, just again, because of my past, I'm, I'm quick to quit. You know, he's the mm-hmm. one that kind of is like, no, we got it. We, we can't stop here. We got to keep going. We got to, we're going to be with each other, you know, till the end of, of our time. So mm-hmm. definitely. Yes. So what, what advice would you give to newly married couples, especially those who, who waited, those who um, really looked at themselves um, in their singleness so that they could present themselves as the best possible wife with God's help? Uh, what advice would you give those newly married couples? Yeah, transition, I think, is, is it can be difficult. Um, I know for me, I got married a little bit later. So um, getting married at 35, my husband um, being 27, I, I, it, it was totally different for us. Everything was different. Um, coming from two different backgrounds. He's from, you know, the South and Jacksonville, Florida. I'm from a spot called Cerritos, California, more so Orange County. Um, and so... It, this, this, that aspect of it, I think <laughs> mm-hmm. also it's extremely important to have an older couple to cover you. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. I, our generation has, has completely um, diminished the power of wisdom mm-hmm. that comes from those who have silver hair. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I cannot express how extremely important it is to have older couples or just older, older mentors, not people who are your same age, but people who are older than you, who have lived some life, who can help you, who can pour into you who agree to walk with you through the process, who have already experienced a lot of the things that you've experienced already, who are willing to pray with you, who are willing to truck out hard times with you. I think that's a huge, huge, huge aspect that I don't think that we often take advantage of um, because you can have all the marriage counseling in the world, but all the marriage counseling in the world um, cannot prepare you for some of the things that you may have to face once you're actually married. Mm-hmm. Um, and also take the time to, con- to consistently evaluate you um, because I think that, it's hard to hold on to the identity of who you are while trying to be one with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of my hugest fears of losing me in marriage. I had friends who I was like, you know, I don't even know who you are. All, what happened to all your goals and all your dreams and all your aspirations? Do they just completely go away now because you're married? And yeah, granted, you, you are here to support your husband and all those things. But how do, how do you how do you balance still being you? while being married and being one with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a huge, huge deal. Um, I don't think that it needs to disappear. Um, I think it's also significant to voice, voice your pain, voice your concern, um, and don't don't internalize it for yourself because it doesn't benefit your marriage to, to hold it in. 
Um, and that's something I, I still have a hard time doing. And that's why I'm saying like, hey, I'm right there with you. Um, is being able to to not um, resort to just taking those things and, and trying to internalize them yourself and coming to your own conclusions in your mind. I've, I've created whole scenarios in my mind before I even talk to my husband. <laughs> and, and he's like, wait, how did, how did you get there? I'm like, oh, I've been here for three days, you know? <laughs> so, um, and so I don't, that's some advice. And I would say be a couple that prays and be a couple that really is committed to staying in Scripture to, together. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. It's a huge, huge deal. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent um, advice. And, you know, that challenge of how do you... Um, how do you balance your identity and who you are in Christ and the plans and purpose God has for your life as a, as an individual and at the same time you're one with your spouse, ha- having mm-hmm. that balance and making sure that um, you are um, coming together as a couple, as one. Um, what, what have you discovered about that balance, being successful with that balance? I, I've had to really make sure that, that I'm consistently telling myself, and I had to create a list. Matt is for me. Matt is not my enemy. Mm. Matt does not want to not have me succeed. Because in my mind, when Matt says, I don't think this is a good idea for us at this time, when I'm saying I have an event, to me, that's like, oh, you don't want me to do this. You just want me to be home and you just want me to serve you. And you just, mm. I, that's, that's all what happens. So I have to go back saying, Matt does not want to hurt you. Matt does not want to. And I have to, I have to say those things repeatedly to myself, um, because I know those things in my, in, in my mind, but my mind needs to communicate to my heart that mm-hmm. that's the truth, mm-hmm. um, and that's, and that's the hard part, um, because when you haven't had that example, and those who you have entrusted your life to have completely betrayed the trust, it's so difficult. And I tell them all the time, I feel so sorry for, for you in so many situations, because you're having to deal with all the people who did, did so many things wrong. Yes. Um, but he, he committed to that. And that was one of the reasons I didn't want to, to be in it. And that was the reason why when he proposed, I said no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, so it's, it's definitely just a process for both of us. Yes. And that's good practical advice on how to renew our mind in that area. Actually have yeah. a list of things you yeah. need to remind yourself. My husband is for me, not against me. Well, uh, Jeanette McGee-Watson, Mysterious Genetics, thank you mm-hmm. so much for your transparency, your inspiration, and your wisdom. God bless you. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Pleasure, 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 Dr. Peg. Thank you. Thank you. Listeners, it's time to experience the lasting change that you need and desire in your life. Uh, you can start your personal transformation in one of my Do Something Different for a Change personal transformation retreats where you'll spend an entire day focusing on your goals and how to transform your life and walk in freedom and purpose. Contact me at drpegradio.com to reserve your spot. Listeners, my guest has been Jeanette McGee-Watson, Genetics, and I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark reminding you to live well. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, brought to you every week by SSI Guardian. To listen to previous episodes, learn more about Dr. Peg's mental health and safety workshops, or to register for an upcoming VIP personal transformation retreat, visit drpegradio.com. You can also purchase Dr. Peg's books, Do Something Different for a Change, and Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss I Learned from My Dog, online at drpegradio.com. And remember to join us every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 94.7 KRKS. Or Living Well with Dr. Peg.